0: Welcome to episode 45 of CommuniCast, a communication skills podcast. I'm Scott D'Amico, president of Communispond, a global communication skills training organization. Do you suffer from calendar clutter? Is clutter causing tension at home? My guest, Lori Palau, is the founder of Simply Be Organized, a lifestyle service designed to help you live simply and work smarter. In this episode, we talk about how communication skills are a key driver for reducing clutter in all aspects of your life, the importance of goals and why you need to be specific in your communication. I hope you enjoy.
1: Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. I am very excited as well. As we are recording this, we're prepping for spring break next week, which invariably means some spring cleaning and organization. So I think this (laughs) conversation is very timely. To get things started, why don't you jump in, just tell the listeners a little bit about you, your background,
1: and really what it is that you're working on today. Sure. So I run a company called Simply Be Organized. It's the letter B, organized. Um, And it started back in 2009 as a professional organizing company where I would go in and help people declutter and simplify their lives. And we still do that to an extent. Um, but over the years, it's kind of grown and evolved. Um, I also, I host a podcast like yourself um, called This Organized Life that we've hosted for seven years, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wrote a book about organ- Organization strategies called Hot Mass, A practical guides getting organized. But um, really what my focus is, is really helping people understand the why of clutter. And in doing that, understanding not just about the stuff, but how clutter makes them feel and giving them the strategies to change their behaviors and develop healthy habits. And so I've done that through workshops, trainings, um. Obviously, our on-site, you know, client work, but over the course of the years that I've been doing this, um, I have really learned about the importance of communication and how communication plays in to the execution and sustainability of organized spaces. Because uh, specifically, when it comes to clutter, clutter causes conflict lives for a lot of people. And that could be physical clutter, that stuff that you see, you know, the dishes in the sink and ma- piles of mail, um, clothes, all the things. But it could also be calendar clutter. Like, I'm just so busy. I have no margin mm-hmm. in my day to do things. And I call that calendar clutter. And then that can also result in physical clutter. But it also results in impacting your relationships negatively. It could be you snapping at your spouse or your kids or you feeling stressed to, meet deadlines at work, all of these different things. So they're all different kind of types of clutter that we have in our lives. And so, you know, for me, I think naming things is really important because it just provides some language around it and some framework for us to say, this is how I'm feeling. Because a lot of it's just very gray. It's like invisible that we don't know how to really address how we're feeling. Or maybe we see the dishes in the sink and it's really about... I'm just tired of being, feeling like I'm the only one, like, I don't care about washing the dish. I care that you expect me to wash the dish and there's a difference there, right? Mm -hmm. Or you expect me to do the laundry. I don't care about it, that it's not about the laundry. It's about the fact that we have this unequal division of labor in our house or whatever the situation is. And so for me, a lot of the work that I've been doing the past couple of years is really trying to develop some frameworks to provide context and to have healthier communication for people so that they can get to the root of where their clutter is and develop actionable strategies to get rid of it. It's not just about one in, one out. It's not a, it's it's a lot deeper than that.
0: Ooh, this is hitting close to home. <laughs> is it?
1: Okay. I was Still like, I don't know. Am I, I don't, you know, sometimes I'm drinking my own Kool-Aid and I'm like, I don't know, does this make sense to anybody else? But
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating. I love the distinction between the physical clutter, the things, the stuff on the counters or dishes yeah. in the sink. And then the calendar clutter, i never really used or, or heard of that term before. I'd always think about it. My wife talked a lot about trying to avoid over committing ourselves. And typically mm-hmm. the way we get over is through our kids activities with sports and activities and totally. clubs all those types of things and it's just interesting as you know I work from home so majority of the time I'm here by myself my wife and kids are at work and at school and so I am very much the tidy person she's more so I would say the clean person right make sure the counters are wiped down and everything is clean and things like that but when I'm here the house is tidy and then you know, they come home it's the book bags the lunch boxes the purses the this and I, and I feel it I feel the the change in how I feel when I go down and I see the counter or the couch, the jackets laying all around. So I think this really is a fascinating topic uh, to think of both in the workplace and at home. And as you mentioned, communication plays a huge part of that to, I think really have successful strategies that stick, right? That aren't just, you know, there's a flash in the pan. We're going to get organized. We're going to do the spring cleaning or whatever, but you really are talking about how, how it makes you feel, and what each person can do to make it better. And you know that somewhat transitions to the first thing I want to talk about is you know, when you hear the term, say, communication skills, or that maybe you're working with clients that really are strong communicators when it comes to clutter and organization, you, what comes to mind when you hear that somebody really is a solid communicator?
1: Well, I define it as being very clear and specific of what it is that you're trying either struggling with or that you're trying to achieve. So, and, you know, communication for some people, a lot of times people talk in, in broad strokes and we, we all like have an image in our mind when someone says something or they're communicating. And I'm talking about verbal communication because again, mm-hmm. we could get really granular and say there's nonverbal communication, how people are acting Um, that that tells a story as well, because behavior in and of itself is a language. And so if I see like my husband, when my kids were little, he would come home and he was like you where I was at home with the kids and I would, you know, be cleaning up from dinner and there'd be stuff out or whatever. And he would walk in after a long day and immediately start picking things up. And I interpreted that as like, he doesn't think I'm doing my job. Like he's Mm -hmm. picked Like, that was what I perceived. And for him, it was no... This clutter is stressing me out. I'm starting to feel tightening in my chest like you. I walked in after a long day and I had stress at the office and whatever. And I don't want to see this physical clutter because that is just adding to my stress. So I know that you have a lot on your plate already. So I'm just going to come here and fix it. So he was, and but my interpretation was what? You're just in the door and you are already like <laughs> criticizing the way I'm doing things or not doing things. So it was causing a rift because we weren't really... We were each doing our own thing and not having that dialogue to say, like, "Hey, when I come in, it really stressed me out." So then, I, my response is, "I just want to, I just want to come in and fix it." And mm-hmm. so, I think really opening up that dialogue to whatever is causing stress and anxiety, whether that is a spouse, like a spouse or a partner relationship, parent-child relationship, um, if You know, obviously work dynamics get a little sticky because you know it's hard to tell your boss whatever. But I think it is important to say to be honest and authentic about where you feeling, where you're feeling strapped. Because when we have no margin in our lives, this much I can tell you. When we have no margin, whether that's margin in our calendars, margin in like think about your closet. If it was if it was filled from rod to rod and you cannot even shift to see what you have, like you can't find what you're looking for. It's, it's inefficient. And a lot of times our schedules either by just by default or design end up like that. And so we're, we have no margin. So when your kid gets sick when the dog has to get an emergency trip to the vet, but when you can't, you know, when things, something goes sideways, it's, it's the whole car goes off the rails because you have no margin. And then that's when we start getting snappy and yelling and become the people that we don't want to be. And it's because we have these, you know, unhealthy habits that we've incorporated into our lives.
0: I think we have no margins in our kitchen cabinets, so that's the yeah. way we open up and there's just water bottles cascading down. I the can that
1: and- that's easier to help with. That's yeah. easier to help with, right? That's like a, more of the tactical stuff. I think the work no. comes in with how are we going to change our behaviors, yeah. right? Because it's easier to remove this stuff, and I think COVID was really interesting for that because mm-hmm. all of a sudden when everybody went into like quarantine and lockdown and especially up here in the Northeast. Like I know COVID like took a little while to catch on down South, mm-hmm. but cause I, my daughter was down there at the time, but you know, literally everything came to a screeching halt in our lives. Um, work activities, you know, obviously school pivoted all these things. And all of a sudden families were eating dinner together. There was a lot more fear because you you were forced to Mm -hmm. not have all of these other distractions. We all had a host of other things that we were dealing with for sure. But a lot of these things that were causing a stress, like we're eating on the fly, our bedtimes are screwed up because we have practice till nine o'clock and then we got to come home and do homework and whatever. And I've lived that. Um, We didn't have that for a period. But yet when things started to resume and open back up, here we are three years later and I find that I talk to my friends who are still like in the weeds with, with littles, mine are big. We're right back where we started Mm -hmm. with having that. We kind of fell back into those unhealthy habits and patterns of behavior. And I think my goal is to try to add some intentionality so that you can say where, where are we going to build this margin in? Because it's not just going to Right. Happen. We have to be intentional about it.
0: The thing that you mentioned about being clear and specific is so yeah. important to this because I it's easy for me to say, you know what? I can't stand the clutter. I don't like the clutter. It stresses me out. But what does that mean? Does it mean mm-hmm. that the house has to be clutter-free 24/7? To some people, maybe that's what it means. For other people, maybe it means, you know, before we go to bed, we need to just tidy up, straighten things up. Or does it mean we need to purge or do we need to start talking about our activities and our commitments? You know, when you say, you know, I'm so busy or I'm frustrated because we're we never have time to do X, Y and Z being very clear and specific about, you know, I think that we've overcommitted with activities. Here's potentially what we could do to gain some back. And here's why I think that's important. Here's why it's important to me or the benefit that I think we could could do that. So being clear and specific and then talking about, as you mentioned, the why and what's the goal or what's the positive outcome that we're going to see when doing that.
1: Absolutely. And I think for a lot of people, uh, another way to to kind of phrase it is to really use three our, our three different kind of centers of intelligence, our thinking, our feeling, our doing. So like, what do I think about this? How does this make me feel? And what am I going to do about it? Because a lot of times you have people, everyone's dominant in one of those three centers, thinking, feeling, or doing. That's just a fact. And so you have some people that are just doers, like I'm a natural doer. So I'm going to come in here and try to fix everything. But guess what? Not everything needs me to be fixed, like mm-hmm. needs me to come in and fix it. My, that's my natural thing is, oh, I see something. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to fix it. But that's, that's only helpful till it's not. And then you've got people that are just, think about, all these things, right? You think about it. You're the researchers. We're going to think about this or we're going to talk about it. We're going to think about, you know, you, we're going to talk about how we're going to plan to organize the garage and we're going to do all these things, but you don't take action, right? You never finally pull the trigger and say, okay, we've talked about this, but what are we really going to do to like, where's the rubber meet the road? And then you've got people that are like, okay, you might say, clutter stresses me out. This is how I feel, right? Or I feel unappreciated. I feel... X, Y, and Z, and that's great. Like your feelings are valid, but again, what are we going to do about that? Like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? And, and also you might feel like when house is messy, it means I feel like, you know, I can't have people over like, and our feelings Mm -hmm. could also tell us something that's just not true. You know, Mm -hmm. our feelings can give us a false narrative. So I think it's really important to look at all three of those collectively and say, all right, you know, we can't just jump in and do without factoring the other two, but the other two don't work if there isn't some action attached to it.
0: And it seems more often than than not when it comes to relationships, you typically have one person strong in one suit and one person strong in one of the other ones. And I'm very much the doer, especially when it comes to cluttered, or I'll just jump in and start tossing things and organizing things. And then my wife is freaking out, like, what are you doing? We can't get rid of that. I hadn't really put much thought into it. I just jumped in and wanted to solve. So I think the think, feel, do, making sure you're kind of walking through that process and communicating that, whether it is with your boss, whether it is with your partner, your kids at home, is important to really factor in all of those concepts.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I was just going to say, I think it's really important, especially when you're talking about the decluttering and organizing and kind of building in these healthy habits, whether again, it's with your physical stuff or with your calendar, I think the goal is really important. A lot of times we know where we're struggling, right? We, we know the pain point that we're feeling. We're feeling like we're drowning. We have no time or there's too much stuff, but we don't give a lot of attention to really what the goal is. Like, what are we trying to achieve? And so we get in there, we start doing stuff with no clear direction of what we're trying, what the end game is. And so I just like saying, it's like getting in the car and driving and not knowing where you're going. You're just driving, you know? And so it's really important no, so, okay, I want to get to here. And there's multiple ways that you can get to this destination. You know, your destination might be like once a week, we're going to sit home as a family and have dinner.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Or it might be every night before we go to bed, I want like the dishes, cle- like I want the, I don't want a sink full of dishes. I want that cleared. And I don't want like surface clutter around. Mm-hmm. Whatever your goal is. I think it's really important to say that's what our goal is. So what are the steps that we need to do to get there? And it couldn't look different. Some people, and I again, I use the car analogy because if your destination is going to this place, some people want to take the highway and just go straight through. Mm -hmm. Other people want to take a slower back road meandering way and it's going to take them a little bit longer, but it's going to cause them less stress in the end. And they're still going to get there, so I think it's important to say, okay, especially when you're in a in a family unit or you're in a a partnership where it's like it's not just it's not just you. You have to be navigating other people's, you know, how they're going to function in this in the situation. I think it's important to say, okay, where's our goal, and how are we going to each get there that's in alignment for us. And your way might look different than your mm-hmm. wife's way. But if we're all getting there, you know, again, if she's like, okay, the goal is before we go to bed, the dishes are going to be done. If she wants to sit down after dinner and watch a TV show and then get up and go do the dishes, that's like, you may have to learn to be okay with that, Mm -hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, as long as she knows, like, before I go to bed, that will be done. And, And that's where that give and take comes
0: yeah, so we've, we've hit on a number of things that I, I wanted to actually talk about next already with some of the skills that really are important, whether it comes to you know the, the work that you're doing or that you're seeing your clients do and be successful with, the idea of being clear, being specific, and, and really setting goals. And I think when it comes to goals, the goals can be, I think, somewhat long-term ongoing, right? We want to make sure that before we go to bed, the dishes are done, counters are, are cleared off or our schedule is organized for the next day. And I also think that it could be almost project specific where, totally. so for, for an example, we had a, a bonus room at our house that was, was completely overrun with toys. And both of our kids really were growing out of them. Their the They really weren't playing with them much, but no one liked going into the room. You could barely walk through it. And so we started talking about what, what do we want to do with this room? And as a family, we talked about it'd be great to have a like a movie room with a nice TV and some beanbag chairs, things like that. So we really set the goal that in order to have this, we need to do something about the room. And so having that goal of kind of creating a family space where we can watch movies and have popcorn together helped to get everyone to buy in and get involved with organizing, cleaning, getting rid of stuff, selling stuff, and then repurposing that room. So I think having both those ongoing long-term goals. And then even project specific goals will be important.
1: I love it. And I, I, that's a great example. And I love that you said the buy-in because it's something I talk about a lot is having, again, understanding it's very hard to get people. And yes, as a parent, you can, you know, you could tell your kids what to do and to a certain extent, they're going to do it because, mm-hmm. or maybe there won't, but you know what I mean? Because you're <laughs> their parent. But it's so much less oppositional when you can get other people to buy in. And I remember even when my kids were younger, and this is where communication comes into play, when my kids were younger, it was important for me before we sat down to watch TV or play the game or do our nighttime thing all the dishes were done and the kitchen counters were clean. Like the kitchen had to be clean before we moved on to the next. And that was just something that was important to me. And it was sort of kind of our house rule. And I would say to my girls when they were younger, listen, I want to do the puzzle, read the book, watch TV, do whatever with you. But we need to get this done first. So if you help me, we'll be able to get it done quicker so that I have more time to Mm -hmm. spend with you and so if you cooperate and you help by clearing whatever it is then that means we have more time and so i could have just said no you have to do this but instead i phrased it in a way that they are they understood the why and that that it was something that was in everybody's best interest because that was mm-hmm. important to them and so i you know i think it's really the more that you can get people's buy in for any type of a project, whether it is project-based or just an ongoing life thing, I think that's when you can really elicit mm-hmm. like, more change and healthier communication.
0: And there's so many parallels to that to the workplace. So if 100%. I'm thinking about maybe a project that I have that's very important or high priority for my boss or for my organization, and I just have all this calendar clutter with no margins, I'm not really able to focus on that having that conversation and revisiting that joint goal. So, you know, we talked about this project being very high priority for the organization because it's gonna do X, Y, and Z for us. But what I'm finding is I'm spending most of my day in meetings that really aren't beneficial to me or the organization and are nowhere near as high value of this. You know, what can we do to try and free up time for me and for other people on the team to work on this initiative? And then from there, you may find, yeah, you know what? This weekly meeting, we don't need to do. It can be moved to bi-weekly. This status meeting could be done through email now. So by you know revisiting, here's our shared goal. Here's really what both of us want. Here's yes. why we're not able to achieve it yet. This is what we can do. I think it's critical.
1: Absolutely. I think it's so important because again, we have so only so many hours in the day to be productive. And we know that there are going to be things that are going to be out of our control that are going to take up our time. But the reality of it is we don't want these things to fall through the cracks. And most people want to do a good job. I found that right. like most people really they want it, they they want to be a healthy contributor to their organization. Um and they they want to be able to meet those ex- or exceed those expectations. Um, but sometimes that that also requires saying, I need a little help.
0: I think one of the biggest drivers of clutter, and I'll use that term very loosely, whether it's clutter at home or clutter in the workplace, clutter in your calendar, is people not fully feeling comfortable with saying no or saying that I do need assistance. That's That's very powerful right there, just knowing that sometimes you you will have to say no or feel comfortable asking for help. Lori, if I were to ask somebody, whether it's a colleague or maybe, maybe a family member, what, what's one of those communication skills that they think really has contributed to your success? You mentioned running up a podcast for the past seven <laughs> years, the business that you've taken and grown into a number of different areas. What would they say about you as a communication skill that really has helped you to be successful?
1: For me, and this is a blessing and a curse. I'm I'm a very direct communicator. Um, again, that has not always served me well because it can be taken, you know, as a f- abrasive. To mm-hmm. some people, um, that very rarely is my intention, though I will, in all honesty, say, um. But I think there are people who are just very much direct communicators. I'm that like tell it like it is person, mm-hmm. and so I think for me that's definitely served me well because you know where you stand. So from a personal relationship, that you kind of you know where you stand, um, and I also when it comes to being able to articulate like what I'm looking for in terms of an organization perspective or decluttering, I'm able to articulate that. Um, but I also in workplace settings, I've also been able to say, okay, I can get this, but it's going to have to wait until, or I'm gonna to have to shift some things around. Um, because that that's just kind of just my my style. Um, so that's probably it where I think other people who might be struggle with a little bit more of like a withdrawing type or Mm -hmm. more of a dependent type that are a little more conflict avoidant might internalize things without being as forthcoming.
0: One of the previous guests I had on there made a comment that almost all conflict can be derived from a conversation that didn't happen, that did not happen. And so this idea of being direct is very important. And oftentimes I think it is confused with being mean or abrasive. There's very much a difference between being a jerk and just getting to the point. We are all busy and being willing to have those direct, honest and candid conversations really helps to accelerate success in the business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, there's... I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it's per Brown or somebody else, but like to be unclear is to be unkind. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times people, when you're, you know, all this conflict causes because people are unclear, they don't know, or they think they know, Um, you know, they're, they expect people to assume or be a mind reader and all these things. And so I think that clarity is so helpful in just kind of knowing where you are. Couldn't agree more. Lori,
0: you mentioned the the direct communication style. Yep. Who has been someone from throughout your career, throughout your life that really has helped to influence your communication style? Perhaps what did you take from them, tweak a little bit and make your own?
1: When I was in my early 20s, I had a boss who was a mentor. Actually, I've had a couple of bosses who have been mentors for me. And I would say they were both very, um, they were direct communications and they were, they were clear. They were very, I mean, they were, they were kind, but they were very like, here's your expectation. This is what we want. These are the steps that you're going to take to get there. These are the benchmarks that we need to hit. And so I, I, I saw them in a leadership capacity, being able to use words and actions to help encourage and motivate people. And so I would like to believe that I've kind of taken a page out of each of their books to do the same, whether I'm leading people professionally in their careers um, and hoping to like coach and mentor them in that perspective, or just, you know, teaching a bunch of people organizing strategies and walking them through the steps of how to get to their achieved goal.
0: People often discount the impact that a boss or mentor early on in your career can have or or the inverse of that. If you have a really bad boss or leader early on in your career, how that can somewhat shape people's philosophy of what being a mentor, what being a leader can be like. So it's always fun to hear these stories because I've had a number of amazing leaders throughout my career and especially early on in my career that really helped shape who I am as a leader, some things to do, some things not to do. But I always enjoy hearing of people that had a a really strong leader early on in their career that has ultimately shaped, you know, their style and their leadership abilities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really important. And you never know the impact that you're gonna have on somebody. So I always just try to lead by example. Not that we don't all have bad days, <laughs> you know, when we're not on our A game, but I think it's really important that you know, our, our actions and our words have some sort of alignment.
0: That's crucial. That's really where authenticity comes from. When yes. there's alignment between what you're saying is and what you're doing creates authenticity, which leads to people trusting you and then ultimately buying into your vision.
1: Yep. A hundred percent.
0: As we're wrapping up here, Lori, what advice would you have for someone, whether they're fresh out of school, mid-career looking for a change. What advice would you have for them really around communication skills, whether how it can help their career and their career journey, or even just help with the clutter, whether it's the calendar clutter or the physical clutter, what, what tips or closing pieces of advice would you have for them?
1: Um, I guess, you know, for me, from a tactical standpoint, I think it's important to kind of write things down because, A lot of times, especially when you're dealing, um, clutter can be emotional, right? Well, again, whether we're talking about physical clutter or calendar clutter, we could get emotions tied in to it, and then we can easily kind of go off track. And so I'm a list maker. I like to just write things down to have like touch points to kind of loop me back in to get me back on track if I start to Mm -hmm. go sideways. Um, and so I think it's important whether you're like at an impasse personally, professionally, relationally, to just kind of write down like, where am I struggling? Like almost like two color columns, you know, like what's not working for me and like really what would I like to see? And then you can work backwards to go, how can I, how do I get there? Right. Whether it's, I never had this and I want to achieve this, or maybe you had it and Something in your life went sideways and you're like, how do I get back to it? So I think looking at kind of the reality of where you are versus what the desired goal is and figuring out what are the steps that we need to take to get there and looking at the different players in that need to make that happen, whether that's again, whether that's friends, partners, kids, coworkers, your whatever that looks like and say, okay, this is where... Um, this is where I need help. And I think just being, being honest, you know, being honest with ourselves, we have this, we we tend to hold ourselves to a lot of times an unrealistic standard, whether that's based on just false narratives that we tell ourselves, or stuff that we see on social media, that where it seems like, well, they, they're doing it all, which they're probably not, but that's what they're, (laughs) that looks like. And so I think just being really honest with what your own bandwidth is, you know, and some people have more energy than others. You know, some people can juggle more things than other people. And so just being honest about kind of where, you know, your limitations are, I think is very important. And being able to articulate that to somebody else is, is really a gift
0: such fantastic advice. I really like the point about just writing things down with where you are, what you're struggling with, what you're looking for, because it transcends all aspects of life. Whether you're looking, what you're looking for in a partner, what you're looking for to organize and declutter your life, or what you're looking for in a new job. Uh-huh. When I made the a career change or a, a job change about five or six years ago, I went through the exercise of Hey, what, what am I not really happy with here? What don't I like? And then ultimately, what am I looking for? What's the checklist for the next opportunity that I'm going to take? And that really helped me as I was evaluating potential opportunities to say, you know what? Yeah, this is the right fix, the right fit, because it really checks all these boxes and helps to fix some of the things that I'm struggling with here. So
1: absolutely. What, can I just say one more thing that you said? I want to just like piggyback on before we mm-hmm. go, because I think it's really, really an important thing that you said. One of the things that I talked to a lot, a t- lot, a lot of times when people are said, what do you want? What do you like? Right. And again, that could be with a job that could be with a s- potential spouse. It could be with, you know, what you want your space to l- look like. That is such an overwhelming question that they don't know. I remember going through the college exercise with, both of my girls and specifically my older daughter, she was the first one. And we were like, what do you like, you know, where, what do you want to do? And where do you want to go? And it's such a big question that people don't necessarily know how to answer it. And there's this fear of saying the wrong thing. But when you flip the script and you start with what don't I like, right. And you can apply this in your job. Mm -hmm. You could say, what don't I like? You know, I don't I don't like a big corporate environment. I don't like having all that. I would rather roll up my sleeves and do this. Or or I, I don't want X, Y, and Z. And like in, in this particular concept that we were doing it, it was, you know, I was like, what don't you want? And she was easily able to rattle off, well, I don't want to be in a city and I don't want to, you know, be you know, in a different time zone. And so there were all of these very clear things that she knew she didn't want. I don't want a small school, like all of these things that just started to fall into place. And you can apply that in all these things. Like I, you know, I don't want this. I don't want this. And all of a sudden that starts eliminating things automatically. And Mm -hmm. so you're really, you're really doing your like purging, like you would a closet you know what clothes don't i want i don't want this i don't want this i don't want this so you're doing that with the priorities in your life or the things that are that that are that are taking up space and time and carving out what is really important by limiting the things that you don't want you're able to really focus in and shine a light on the things that are important to you so i love that you said that and i think really approaching it from the what don't i want is um is a, is a lower hanging fruit for a lot of people than approaching it the other way.
0: That's such a great way to look at it because it's it's easier to get rid of things you don't like than it is to pick and choose between things that you do like and have to sacrifice something that you do like. I love that. Yep. Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. I learned a lot. I'm going to try and take some of this, implement it both at work And at home, but I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope you have a great day. Thanks so much. You too. Take care. A special thanks again to my guest, Lori Palau. Lori nailed it with her comments on think, feel, do. Oftentimes we either over-index or completely neglect one of those areas. If you're a big doer, be sure to focus in on how you and others think and feel about an issue. If you're looking to improve your communication skills, be sure to subscribe to CommuniCast so that you can continue to learn from my guests with each new episode. And if you have found value in the show, leaving us a rating or review would be appreciated. Thanks and have a great day.